Welcome to Chapter 1 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Fernando Martinez, CIO at Parkland Hospital and Health System. In this segment, Martinez discusses the pros and cons of being a safety net hospital, the biggest hurdle his team is facing with MU Stage 2, and the predictive analytics software developed in-house that has already shown to reduce readmissions. Hi, Fernando. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Hey, Kate. You're very welcome. Happy to be here. Great. So to start us off, uh, can you give some information about Parkland Hospital and Health System, uh, you know, what you have in the way of hospital beds, clinics, things like that? Certainly. Uh, the Parkland uh, Health and Hospital System is a uh, county-slash-state-owned facility. It's a safety net hospital. Uh, it's an affiliated teaching hospital of the University of Texas Southwestern. Uh, Parkland consists of one principal hospital. It's approximately 720 beds. Um, it operates in Dallas County. We have a very large ambulatory organization, including several large um, ambulatory clinics throughout the community. We refer to them as COPCs or community-oriented primary clinics. Um, we also have a, a, an outpatient surgical center as well as uh, primary um, providers uh, throughout the community, including schools where we have uh, school-based clinics and uh, basically uh, all over the Dallas County community area. So we're really a safety net hospital, level one trauma center, and um, overall community hospital system with, a, with an education and safety net mission. Okay. Sounds like you really run the gamut. Um, now, the COPCs, is that something where you've started to, uh, you know, build those or started to acquire those over the years? Is that, that's been a big part of your strategy? Um, so the, the, the COPC approach to community care, the ambulatory care centers that we have out throughout the community, um, that program started in the 80s. And over the years, as it has grown, we probably, I think we have uh, seven or eight COPCs. I'm sorry, I don't have those statistics right in front of me. Um, but these are generally large uh, community centers uh, for primary care. Um, they, for example, I think that the, the, the larger COPCs, they have, uh, they're staffed by three to 400 uh, employees. So they're, they're fairly large outpatient clinics. But uh, they've been progressively growing over the years, and we continue to um, identify community needs, and as the needs are identified, then, uh, then we work through the development strategies of expanding our presence in the community to meet the needs of the community. Okay. Now, um, as far as the hospital, um, what kind of, what, what's the, uh, the clinical application environment? What type of EHR system do you have? So the Parkland uh, Health System is primarily an EPIC shop, um, in fact, one of the earlier uh, adopters of EPIC, um, and we use that throughout the organization, uh, so pretty much this is a, an exclusive EPIC shop okay. for both ambulatory and inpatient and revenue cycle and patient access. All of those things are run through EPIC. Okay, ambulatory as well. All right. Yep. Yep. Um, and that's been in place for, for a while, I would imagine. It has been um, implemented in uh, the, I think, the late 2000s, 2006, 2007 timeframe. Okay. Now, as far as uh, meaningful use, where do you stand at this point? 
Um, the organization has a very solid, meaningful use uh, program in place. We're actually in the process of a testing now for meaningful use stage two. Um, I, I think there's only eight or nine hospitals in the U.S. that have even uh, done uh, the attestation for meaningful use stage two. So I know we're one of the early hospitals in terms of attestation, uh, but we've got a very solid program in place, and uh, the organization is making good, steady progress. Yeah, that there certainly are only a handful who have um, gotten there. It's a different animal than, than stage one. Um, have you found there to be uh, specific uh, challenges as far as stage two? You know, uh, we've experienced the same primary challenge that uh, that I've heard from many of my peers, both formally and informally, um, and which you, has been evident in uh, some of the news rags and, and uh, discussions online, and that is transitions of care has proven to be a very challenging component of uh, Meaningful Use Stage 2 attestation. Right. Um, but Nevertheless, uh, I think we have a very good program in place and, and feel confident that we'll be able to address that. But I know that that's been a pain point across the country. And, in fact, uh, some people are speculating, because I've seen some of the notes online and different uh, forums and chats going on, that uh, there's some pressure to have CMS potentially provide some measure of relief as it relates to that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I'm sure that, that it, it, it's surprising the number of uh, organizations that, that are, have attested to Stage 2 at this point. I'm, I'm sure that they uh, thought it was going to be higher. Absolutely. And I, I'm, I feel pretty confident in saying that the transition to care is probably one of the main reasons um, that, uh, that uh, it's probably stands as one of the most significant barriers for organizations to reach a point where they feel they can, uh, they can attest. Right. How how have you been able to uh, kind of uh, do well in that area and, and avoid some of those challenges with transitions of care? It's a combination of things, and you know I don't know that I can uh, do it justice, but uh, I, I'll share with you some of my personal thoughts on why it is that for us we've been able to make the progress that we have. First is that because we're in a we're in an environment where we are the the uh, the lone safety net hospital. There's some very unique opportunities around. Um, how it is that we handle the discharge dispositions of our patients. Uh, there's, there's a more finite set of destinations that our patients go, so dealing with transitions of care for us perhaps is a little bit more narrowly defined, and, uh, and that's allowed us to, uh, to have a better opportunity to, to address that need. You know, the other is that there really is a very pervasive um, adoption rate, a very high pervasive adoption rate of technology in our area. We've got several organizations that we're, um, that we have transitions of care to that are very high technology adopters as well. So that, you know, that creates an environment that's conducive for um, ease of transferring. So I, I, a couple of things like that have, have, uh, have positioned this well uh, in comparison to other organizations that don't have those, uh, those type of benefits. Right. Now, uh, one of the things that that I had read um, was that Parkland was, uh, you know, using using data to uh, re reduce readmissions for uh, heart failure patients, and I just wanted to talk a little bit about that, and and perhaps some of the other ways that you're using analytics or planning to use analytics. Sure. So, um, a few years ago, and this is in the late 2000s, uh, say 2009. 
a uh, Parkland-trained physician who uh, graduated from UT Southwestern and uh, stayed on to, to practice, uh, Dr. Ruben Amarasingham, um, he was uh, performing some chart audits and uh, manually performing chart audits, and he came up with the notion that there were there was data available in these charts that if that information was uh, algorithmically analyzed, that uh, we could make some good decisions regarding uh, or, or good predictions regarding what the outcome of care would be associated with that particular patient. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Dr. Amarasingham founded what uh, what is now uh, widely recognized as the Parkland Center for Clinical Innovation, or PCCI. And uh, he got a bunch of, uh, he got several researchers together and they started uh, writing a, a software product which um, we've trademarked and is now uh, in the process of going commercial called Pieces, P-I-E-C-E-S, like the pieces of a puzzle. So uh, the, this predictive analytics software system that was developed here at Parkland was, of course, developed in our EPIC environment. And what it does is it takes 36 discrete data points uh, for in-house, for inpatient individuals, and the original work was done on congestive heart failure um, patients. And what it does is it's, it's analyzing in near real time those 36 data points, and it's looking for a convergence of those points in a particular way. Uh, and, when, and as a result, it analyzes uh, these 36 points and provides a risk score or a, a measure that is in turn um, used to de to determine whether there's a high likelihood or probability or predictive uh, onset of conditions. So uh, what that effectively does is that predictive analytics engine returns a score into the EPIC EMR system, and if the score is beyond a particular threshold, the physician or the caregiver knows that there's a very high likelihood that that individual would have a congestive heart failure episode and would end up having to be readmitted. So as a result of the work that was done here, what they concluded was that physicians augmenting the care uh, by including this predictive risk score were able to keep individuals and take care of individuals that were at high risk for readmission and, and stabilize them before discharging them or correct the issues before discharging them so that the net effect was a very substantial drop in readmission as it relates to congestive heart failure. Now, the yeah. fact of the matter is that the, the, published, the, uh, the published study, which is, is available online, demonstrated that the organization had a 20-some-odd you know, percentage drop in readmission for congestive heart failures uh, as a result of the use of this predictive analytics engine. So we've been very successful in that regard. That's now an independent, you know, we spun that off into an independent nonprofit, and we're in the process of uh, um, taking the pieces application um, uh, commercial, and there's a lot of interest from around the country from many hospitals and organizations that have contacted us um, trying to uh, see how we can extend that, that system to them as well. Right, and, and, and that really makes sense. Um, know that this whole idea of sharing those best practices and um, you know, not, not having a, every organization have to reinvent the wheel, especially with something like you know, using data to reduce readmissions, which is, is such, a, such a huge priority for so many organizations. Exactly. And now um, having the, uh, the Center for Innovation, um, I would think that, that as a CIO, 
that's a really great opportunity to have, you know, access to, to this kind of research and to, you know, be part of an organization where, where innovation is, is such a priority. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, that certainly was one of the things that attracted me to, to the job here is the ability to work with an organization that is so progressive as someone who lives in a data-centric, data-driven organization, uh, industry. To work with such brilliant individuals is, is a, an absolute privilege. So for me, this was incredibly interesting. And, and many of my peers have, have approached me with questions about how this works and, and all of this type of thing. So I know there's a lot of interest. And for me, I mean, I just feel very privileged to be here and working with them. That's absolutely the case. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.